everyone, and welcome to this Successful Farming Podcast. I'm Lori Boyer, and this is a special Farmers for the Future podcast. It is being brought to you today by Golden Harvest, Big Yields, Big Savings. Take advantage of the best discounts of the season at goldenharvestseeds.com. I want to welcome in my guest here today. I've been looking forward to this conversation. His name is Justin Zaraka, and you are a farmer in North Dakota, correct? Yep, correct. And as I was just doing a little background on you, you are a fifth generation farmer as well, right? Yes. Let's get started by talking a little bit about your farm, your background, your family's background, just kind of more information on you. Sure. I guess being the fifth generation is uh, definitely a cool, cool thing to be proud of. You know, the farm hasn't been huge its whole life. So everybody has farmed a little bit, but there has been health challenges and weather challenges along the way. And so I guess I, you know, the land had been rented out and the cows had been sold. So really, I kind of started from scratch, you could say, almost. What made you want to do that? What made you want to kind of pick it up and go with it? I guess, uh, you know, I did grow up on the farm and there was always a herd of cattle around. And I guess from a young age, I just really enjoyed watching them and uh, enjoyed being outside and, and working with nature. And I guess that's why I had the interest. You know, I didn't always know I wanted to farm. If you would have asked me when I was in eighth grade or high school, what, what do you want to be? I probably would have said an engineer. So, you know, it just based on the experiences I've had um, led me to where I am now. And what are some of the reasons that your family did decide to pretty much almost exit the farming operation? Uh, like I said, there was health issues, so they weren't able to farm, so it got rented out. And then uh, flooding was the other one oh. with the, the cattle. There was just no place to um, have feed for them and no place to keep them. I guess I should ask you, Justin, about what part of North Dakota are you farming in when you're talking about flooding? Yeah, so I'm in the northeast corner of the state, so I'm uh, about an hour from the Canadian border and an hour from the Minnesota border. Okay. As far as what you're doing now, tell us some of the things that you have brought back into the operation that you're doing. Sure. I started renting land and crop farming as a junior in high school. So I've been farming for 10 years now. And I started with 40 acres and gradually increased from there. So right now I'm up to about 800 acres. And then on the livestock side of things, I've been pretty flexible in that regard. So I started with feeder cattle. So I'd buy calves in May, graze them over the summer, and then sell them right about now, around Halloween time. And that worked good while I was in college because I was in the area during the summer so I could take care of cattle and then didn't have to worry about them uh, when I was back in school for the winter. So that worked pretty good. And, you know, the markets really fluctuated the years I was doing that. So I had a couple of really good years and then it kind of crashed and there was a bad year. So I figured out, well, we got to do something different. So then I switched to custom grazing for a few years. You know, as far as a young person in the cattle business, I think you got to be looking at building equity. So right, I'm in the cow-calf side of things. So trying to build some equity in a cow herd, I'm up to about 80 mama cows now. Justin, when you had the bad times, what kept you motivated and optimistic to keep going? I guess it's my passion and I love learning. So mm -hmm. when you combine those two things, I guess the opportun opportunities in agriculture are endless. 
this will segue right into the next question when you were talking about what you did when you were younger and in high school. I noticed you had a lot of experience in FFA. So talk to me more about your time in FFA and the accomplishments you've had. Yeah, that is definitely the best student organization out there. So it was kind of unique when I was a junior in high school there. I started renting those 40 acres and then our county was looking for people to take part in cover crop trials. And I had a SAE project, Supervised Agriculture Experience Project, already started in FFA with my cattle. So all of those things, the stars kind of aligned, and I was selected to take part in this project. And we, uh, I planted a cover crop and grazed it and tracked how much the cattle gained on that. And that was kind of what my FFA project started on. Yeah, it was really interesting. And we actually had a field day right out in my field. They dug a big uh, eight-foot soil pit and had, you know, university specialists and, and other organizations come. And the experiences through those meetings or workshops or, or field days is really kind of what got me fired up and excited mm. about wanting to learn more and be involved in agriculture. And tell me again about how long was that ago that you started really looking into cover crops then? That was back in 2011. 2011. Okay. We'll probably come back to that because little did you know, or maybe you did know, I mean, you, maybe you had some foresight here because cover crops are a huge discussion right now. So I do want to come back to that here today, but you have some pretty significant awards through FFA. Let's highlight those. Sure. Yeah. So I kept on with this project and added a few more years of research. I won the state star and science award and was able to compete nationally. And there were four finalists there, and I was selected as the overall winner. So a very cool experience with that. And, you know, FFA isn't all about the awards. Um, as a freshman in high school, I was able to serve as, as a state officer and, you know, serve the members of North Dakota. We had a really awesome officer team, and I still keep in touch with all of those people. And those are some of the best memories that I remember. One of the questions that I like to ask, Justin, for people that have been in FFA and especially someone with extensive experience like yours, what are one, two, one or two things, maybe skills, if you will, that you learn that you are able to use right now in your everyday life? I guess confidence is probably one of the biggest ones. I was the kid that would sit in the back of the classroom and just be shy and quiet and not say anything. And if you would have said a few years later, I'd be the one up there presenting or hosting a workshop, I, I would have said you're crazy. But uh, yeah, so the confidence and just building relationships are, are some of the most valuable skills that really benefited me. Nice. And another fun question for you, given the experience you've had, what are one or two things, what are one or two experiences that you had that are very memorable to you? Do you have any stories or anything to share with us? Yeah, there's a lot of them. I guess you know, one of them was the, the impact that you had on people. So I can't remember if it was a chapter visit or what it was, but we did our normal routine and then we were just kind of talking with students afterwards. And, uh, you know, I didn't think much of it. And then somebody, one of the classmates or something, and this was a couple of years later, they told me that, you know, after, after you guys came and visited with us and, and just talked with us, you know, I decided to, you know, pursue a career in agriculture or you know it, it changed their their path in life somehow and I thought wow that's very rewarding very surreal, kind of, I'm sure yeah yeah and then 
you know, you talk about fun memories. I got to go on a trip to Costa Rica Ooh. as part of winning that national award. And we spent uh, about a week down there and toured lots of agriculture farms and things down there. So that was definitely a highlight to all of the travel throughout the time in the FFA. Wow. Thanks for sharing those experiences. We'll take a quick break right here. Have a word from our sponsor and be right back with the show. At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. Welcome back, everyone. As we continue on here, Justin Zaraka is my guest. He is a farmer in North Dakota. He's part of the Farmers of the Future podcast here for Successful Farming. As we pick back up on our conversation here today, Justin, I know you mentioned um, some of the hard times you had in the past, particularly when you got started at a younger age. Let's talk now, though, a little bit more about maybe some more of the current and most recent challenges, because there's plenty of them, whether they're geopolitical or whether they're weather related. I kind of wanted to cover a little bit all of that with your feelings because it's all feeding into the ag industry right now. Sure. Let's go for it. <laughs> all right. Well, tell me some of the most more recent and current challenges that you feel like you are facing in your operation. I guess, yeah, it seems like it's a new challenge every year. When I started out, it was like, you know, I need need more land, need more cattle, you know, things of that nature. And, you know, now I'm at the point where, you know, I have enough to keep me busy. So now now it's the labor. That's the hard part mm -hmm. to find. So I'm just by myself. And then this year I had a high school student help me. And that was just awesome. So they didn't have a, a background in agriculture, but yeah, they were willing to learn and willing to work. So that that helped a lot. I think about that when you just said they didn't have a background in agriculture, but how significant that could really be because just touching one person like that, how many people are they going to then turn around and touch and talk about agriculture? And we're going to get into that in our conversation, but we need more of that. So kudos to you for, for doing that. Do you take part in any of the immigrant worker programs or anything like that? I have not. No. Okay. Maybe some other ways of hiring people, like how do you go about scouting for employees or looking for employees? You try to find, uh, well, people you think you'd be a good fit and uh, good communicators. Yeah, I guess it's something that, you know, I'm not really advertising for, but you're always looking at people and, and seeing them and you kind of think, oh, I wonder if they'd be able to help. <laughs> there you go. And how much room do you have? In other words, how many employees would you like to have at any given time? Well, that's the issue. I'd like to have about two or three, but okay. I can't even afford one. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's a balancing act for sure. <laughs> Justin, what are some other challenges that you have? You know, everybody talks about, uh, well, I would say purchasing real estate is a big one as a beginning farmer. Uh, it's just, you know, we can't compete with multi-generational equity. It just doesn't make sense to go out and pay millions of dollars for land and have to pay interest, and especially when the rates are climbing now. So uh, that's a big challenge. I haven't bought any land or any real estate thus far. You know, I rent everything. It's something I'd like to do. It's just uh, I feel like it's more beneficial maybe to save up a little cash before you, you jump into that. 
I know you said you primarily do cover crops. What other crops do you raise on your farm? Yeah, it's it's pretty diverse. So wheat, canola, soybeans, corn, I've grown field peas. So yeah, there's a, a variety of things. And the reason I ask that is, are you having any problems getting inputs? Are you having uh, issues with the price spikes and everything that's going on in the ag industry right now? You know, everybody got excited last spring. They, they thought there'd be shortages of chemicals and, and fertilizers and things like that. Uh, so I did pre-buy a few things. It kind of worked out. I guess I, I was able to get what I needed on time. So it really wasn't an issue for me. Okay. What about weather related? Yeah. So this spring was, was really wet. You know, I didn't start field work till May 28th. So sometimes we have wheat in the ground for a month already by that time. So it was a really late spring. And uh, so that was a big challenge. You know, we had two weeks to do everything, which we usually hope to have six weeks to do. So yeah, having a little extra help around definitely helped this spring. Okay. Any challenges with your machinery, getting parts, finding what you need as far as help on, on maintaining and keeping those up? Yeah. I mean, the machinery is always breaking. <laughs> right. Harvest is done for this year, but yeah, the, I just had so many issues with my combine this fall. It was, uh, it was getting a little tiring. That's for sure. You know, and I was able to get all the parts that I needed. Sometimes you'd have to wait a couple of days, but yeah, you know, I, I'm not able to, to afford new fancy equipment. So I'm using some older stuff and it's, it's just the nature that it's a ticking time bomb when it's going to break or what's going to break. So, so yeah, I, I'm uh, kind of looking forward to winter and not being a, a mechanic every day, hopefully. <laughs> Justin, are you a part of any organizations, any either local state or national organizations? Yeah, I'm on my uh, sixth year on uh, the Board of Supervisors for our Soil Conservation District. So I've been pretty involved with that over the years. And that being said, the next question I wanted to ask you, since you are involved in your Soil Conservation District, this can feed into that or just your experience. Like, As you look at the whole picture, the things that you're seeing, reading, when you visit with other people, being a part of that organization, what are some challenges that you foresee in the near future for you? You know, the biggest concern I see right in our area locally is soil erosion. You know, there's still still a lot of practices out there and uh, we get a, a big wind or something. And we have days where it's hard to see because there's so much dust. This can be, you know, right away in the spring, right after a crop is planted and we get, get a big wind event or something. So that's something I, I really care about and it's hard to watch. We'll take a break here. Be right back with the show. At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. Again, my guest here today is Justin Zareka, and he is a farmer in North Dakota. And we were just talking about a plethora of different things with regard to his organization and his farm and being a younger farmer. It's a great conversation to have. Going back to some of the initial things that we talked about with cover crops, which you did as your FFA SAE, and just a, sounds like a real interest in that. And of course, you, as you mentioned before the break, being a part of your local conservation district, 
what is making that viable for you? Tell me a little bit more about what you do and, and how you're seeing benefit from that. I guess the biggest benefit for me using reduced tillage or, or no-till farming systems with cover crops is that the equipment is cheaper, you know, per acre. So instead of buying a, a larger tractor and multiple tillage equipments, I bought a smaller tractor and a no-till drill. And I was able to get a, a crop in the ground easier and cheaper and it requires less inputs and, and less time. So that's that's why it works for me. I guess I'm not focused on raising the most bushels. I guess I'm looking more at, you know, profit per acre, whether it's it's the crop or livestock side of things. And do you use cover crops on all of your fields or just certain fields? I would love to uh, use it on, on all my acres. Uh, it comes into, uh, you know, a timing thing because when you, you should be planting the cover crop the same time you're harvesting. So that gets tricky. And then the weather and then just our short growing season up here in Northeast North Dakota, we have like, I think it's a hundred and 110 days that are frost free. Our, our average frost date is September 14th. So the growing season wraps up pretty quickly in the fall. Justin, what are some of the cover crops that you are using? I don't really have just a, a specific thing. It kind of depends on what your goals are. So like I like to plant, you know, rye or triticale in the fall, and then that starts growing in the spring. And I can decide to plant soybeans into that, or I can graze it if we're short on feed, or if it just didn't overwinter well and, and doesn't look very good, you know, you can cut it for hay also. So it, that's kind of a multi-purpose thing. I've done like radishes and turnips after wheat harvest. So if you get your wheat harvested early enough, I've had really nice growth with the radishes and turnips. That's just awesome fall grazing for the cattle. You know, there's, if you just have bad spots out in the field, it's, it's good to get them covered. That's interesting. I, it makes total sense. I just haven't really talked to anyone who's using radishes and turnips as a cover crop. Is that kind of a normal thing in North Dakota or is that pretty widespread? Uh, the radishes have been popular uh, for, well, since I started with it, I guess. So it's just kind of a, you know, a different plant and they have a, a good taproot and uh, you know, the residue breaks down quickly in the spring. So a lot of people are worried about having too much residue out there and uh, it's just not an issue. Can I also ask you, do you work with your local extension offices at all? Do you rely on their data and their recommendations for your farming operation? I do. Um, yeah, my extension agent has been a big role model in my life, you know, just through the 4-H program. And then he was my land judging coach. Also, we went down to Oklahoma and competed in the national land judging contest. And uh, he was the guy I talked to when I wanted to take part in the, the 40 acre trial 10 years ago. And yeah. uh, He's the one who took the chance on me and got me involved. So kudos to him. And what's his name? You got to give a little shout out here. <laughs> Brad Roman. Okay. Well, thanks for mentioning that. I feel like since we've talked about Soil Conservation District and we're talking about cover crops, we can't just skirt over soil health. So tell me a little bit more about what you know about soil health and what your views are on that. Sure. Well, that's why you need to use cover crops or for soil health. Like I said, erosion is my, my biggest concern. And so we're trying to control that, you know, just treating the, the soil like it's alive rather than doing things to it that it that you wouldn't do to any other living thing. So, Justin, if someone were to ask you what soil health means, and this is coming up actually was 
how we talk about agriculture to consumers. But on this particular question, it is a buzzword right now. So if someone wants to know what it is, how do you explain that to them? Well, I'd say being a soil caretaker, and maybe that would resonate with them a little bit more. Um, there's five principles of soil health, and you could you could talk about those. Just stressing that it's a it's a biological system. You know, you want to work with it rather than against it. It's kind of what I'm trying to do. Okay, I like that. Good answer. Good answer. Do you take part in any of the uh, government programs that are out there? The uh, conservation reserve program, other such programs. I have the EQIP program through NRCS has been very helpful for me. That's part of the reason why I started using cover crops more right away is because they do have a, a cost share payment that helps pay for the seed. So yes, I you know they they've been a huge benefit to me as a as a young producer. Good. Okay. Let's go ahead and go back to that question that I just mentioned. When we have conversations with consumers, especially because you are on the younger side of your career. This is really important right now is to educate, keep those stories out there, be transparent. People want to know where their food comes from. There's just so much discussion in that realm. So with your background in FFA and as a speaker, like how should we describe agriculture? What should we be telling people in our messaging, in your opinion? It's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this to get you going. What are common questions that you get from the non-ag audience or the non-ag people that are in your circles? Or is everybody ag in your circles? <laughs> well, not everybody, but most of them, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a tricky one. Um, as a farmer, I wish I could grow more food that people actually consume. You know, growing corn and soybeans pays the bills, but that's not really going direct to consumer. I mean, yes, it gets made into things that, people use. That's kind of why I like the livestock side of things. You know, that can be direct to consumer and people can relate to that a lot easier. Do you think there's a lot of misconceptions and, you know, maybe even referring to things you've seen on social media or in the news? Do you feel like there's a lot of misconceptions about what you do as a farmer? I don't really know. You know, everybody's got their own opinion. I guess the biggest thing is just if they can get out and, and visit and see it in real life, I think that clears up anything that might be might be different mm -hmm. a difference in opinions. Is there any tools you do you think that we should be using for conversations and communication that maybe we aren't using enough of? I think we just have to be honest with people. Okay. That's that's the biggest thing. Okay. Fair enough, Justin. Let's talk a little bit more about your personal goals. And you've kind of mentioned them throughout our conversation. You'd like to have more land and, of course, continue to be profitable. But what are some of your personal goals that you have for your operation? And, you know, especially because you are fifth generation on there, what would you like to do next? It's kind of a, a joint goal, I guess, uh, for the farm. My wife and I, Molly, we'd like to farm together. So right now she's an agriculture education teacher, but we'd both like to be on the farm working together. Yeah, that's the goal we're striving for. Okay. All right, Justin, uh, anything else that you would like to mention today or maybe you thought of as we've been talking to bring up? No, I don't have anything else. <laughs> okay. Well, I want to thank my guest for joining me here today. He is Justin Zaraka, a farmer in 
North Dakota. He's part of the Farmers for the Future podcast. It's been a great conversation just chatting with you and getting to know you and a little bit about your background and your farming operation, Justin. And again, I want to thank our sponsor for bringing this podcast to us today. It is Golden Harvest Seeds. So big yields, big savings, take advantage of the best discounts of the season at goldenharvestseeds.com. I'm Lori Boyer for the Successful Farming Podcast.